you have your Bibles this morning, we're open to James chapter 5. We're going to look there today. There was a first grade teacher, and her and her class of 32 first graders had watched it rain all day long. Well, the last bell had rung and it was time to go home, and this teacher began to put galoshes on all 32 of her first grade students. And she came to this last girl, and she was so excited that she was about to be finished with this dirty chore. And she began to put the galoshes on this little girl, and they were unusually tight. And she struggled, and she strained, and she pulled, and she tugged, and she grunted, and she groaned, and finally, finally got those galoshes on the little girl. And just when she finished snapping those galoshes in place, the girl said, you know what, teacher? These aren't my galoshes. The teacher couldn't believe it. She struggled and she strained and she pulled and she tugged and she grunted and she groaned till glistening with sweat and she finally yanked those galoshes off the little girl's feet. And just at that moment when she finally got them off her feet, the little girl looked and said, they're my sisters, but she lets me wear them. You know, I believe that teacher needed something that, that we all need. A virtue that, that I believe is lacking in our society. Something the Bible calls long-suffering or patience. Now, I'll be the first one to admit, I need patience. I am not a patient person. I frequently pray, Lord, I want patience and I want it now. <laughs> I mean, how many of you have a problem with patience? I mean, need to be a little more like the boy I heard about. He was in a department store. And he got to the end of an escalator, and he just kept watching the railing as it was going around. And the salesman came up to him and said, son, are you lost? He said, no, I'm just waiting for my chewing gum to come back around. That's a patient boy. See, we are told the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Some translations use the phrase long-suffering. And we're going to see that long-suffering is patience. But it's more than patience. See, here's a definition of long-suffering. It is the determination to live by faith, not by feeling. To respond with grace rather than react with grief, regardless of the circumstances. And the Apostle James tells us in this great passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today, that long-suffering, that patience is manifested in three different ways. First is a patience with difficult people. <laughs> James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. See, that word patience is the same word used for long-suffering in, in Galatians 5. And James is illustrating patience with this image of a farmer, right? The farmer plants and weeds and waters and cultivates, and, and every day he does two things. He watches and he waits because he knows he cannot hurry the harvest, but he also knows the harvest will come in due time. And what is true of plants it's true of us, people. That's why he says this in verse 9. He said, don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. 
Have you ever seen that bumper sticker? It said, please be patient with me. God's not finished with me yet. Hmm. Well, what is true of us is also true of others. See, the word patience or or long-suffering, it's a combination of two Greek words. The word macro, which means long or slow, and the word thumia, where we get thermos or thermal, which means anger. It literally means to be long-tempered as opposed to short-tempered. In other words, patience is the ability to be slow to anger rather than quick-tempered. You know, that's how God is. Psalms 103, verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. Someone wrote, Patience is the ability to idle your motor when you feel like stripping the gears. But understand this, patience is not passivity. It's not indifference. It's not that fatalistic attitude towards life that just sits back and twiddle our thumbs and just say, Ah, whatever will be, will be. Patience does not mean you never get angry. Because anger is not always wrong. Sometimes a lack of anger is wrong. But patience means you are slow to anger. And you are quick to get rid of it. But I think too often we're the opposite, right? We're quick to get angry. (laughs) And then we're slow to get rid of it. And that's when the acid of anger turns into bitterness. And we either begin to hold grudges or we try to get even. You know, sometimes we we look like we're being patient when we're not. I read this story about some American soldiers during the Korean War. And they had rented this house and hired a, a local boy to do their housekeeping and cooking. And this little Korean fellow that they hired had an unbelievable positive attitude. He was always smiling. He was always happy. And these soldiers would play trick after trick after trick on him. they nail his shoes to the floor. And he would get up in the morning, pull the nails out with pliers, put on the shoes and keep smiling. They, they put grease on the stove handles and he would just wipe it off and keep smiling. They would balance buckets over a door and when he'd open the door, he would get drenched. He would just dry off, never fuss, just keep smiling. Well, finally, these soldiers got so ashamed of themselves, they called him in and they said, we want you to know we are not going to do any more tricks. We really appreciate your patience. And the little Korean boy said, no more nails, shoes to the floor? They said, no. He said, no more sticky on the stove knobs? They said, no more. He said, no more water buckets over the door? The soldier said, no more. He said, okay, then no more spit in your soup. (laughs) See, the fact of the matter is you cannot get away from people in life that are going to try your patience. As a matter of fact, I've learned this lesson. The people you love most usually try your patience the worst. I mean, if you've been married more than three days, we know this is true, right? I don't care how peaceful your marriage looks on the outside. There's always room for impatience on the inside. There was one couple who had such a peaceful marriage. So much so, it was talked about all over town. And they celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary, and a reporter came out and asked them the secret of their tranquility. And the wife said, well, it goes all the way back to our honeymoon. She said, we had this pack mule trip to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And shortly after we went down, my, my husband's mule stumbled, and Joe took him by the ears, shook him vigorously, and said, that's one. 
And a little while later, we'd gone just about another half mile, and the mule stumbled again. And my husband took him by the ears, shook him vigorously, and said, that's two. We had hardly gone any further, and the mule stumbled a third time. And my husband pulled out his revolver from his pocket, and he shot the mule right between the eyes. When she said, I began to protest this cruel, insensitive treatment of the animal, and he grabbed me by the ears, and he shook me vigorously, and he said, that's one. Now, the truth of the matter is, the only way to learn to be patient with difficult people is to love them. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, he said, love suffers long. You all know that the Word of God tells us we are to love everyone, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love this world. Well, if you will love everybody, then you'll be patient with everybody. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians 5. He said, We exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. We have to be patient with difficult people. We also need a perseverance with demanding problems. Verse 10. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He mentions Job. I mean, why why would he mention Job? (laughs) Well, think about everything Job faced. Right? He faced destitution when he lost everything he owned. He faced uh, death. His children and his grandchildren were killed. He faced disease. He was covered with sores and boils. He faced desertion. Even his own wife turned her back on him. You know, just like Job, each and every one of us are going to face demanding problems. And just like you can hide from difficult people, you can't hide from demanding problems either. See, problems are not meant to defeat us or depress us or discourage us. They're meant to develop us. Problems are not tools that tear us down, but tests to build us up. I mean, so often we focus on Job and we we look at the first part of the book, right? And we forget about the last. Because after Job went all through these difficult problems and he came out on the other side, here's what he said. It says, Then Job answered the Lord. He said, I know you can do everything. And that no purpose of yours can be, held, can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said I will question you and you will answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now with my eye sees you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. See, basically what Job was saying here is, Lord, I I learned things going through these demanding problems that I never would have learned otherwise. I know you in a way I never would have known you otherwise. I mean, some of the greatest lessons you will learn in life is not when you're partying during the good times, but when you persevere in the hard times. That's what the hard times are for. You know, it's interesting. I read the other day about giraffes. 
Now, I've, I've never seen a giraffe being born, but, but it has to be something. I mean, the first parts to emerge are the giraffe's front hooves and head, and then the entire calf appears and falls 10 feet to the ground, landing on its back. Within a matter of seconds, he rolls over and stands, struggling with those untried legs. And then something amazing happens. The mother giraffe positions herself directly over this newborn calf, looks it over, swings her long leg outward, and kicks the baby, sending it sprawling head over heels. If it doesn't get up, she kicks it all over again. If it grows tired, she kicks it again to stimulate the effort to stand. Each time the baby giraffe manages to get to its feet, the mom kicks it again. Now that may seem cruel, but there's a reason. That mother is just preparing that calf for survival. The calf has to learn to get up quickly, to run with the herd when danger comes, or he'll die. You see, the calf has to learn the same lessons we need to learn. When life kicks you, when life knocks you down, you have to get back up. Some of the greatest victories in life you'll learn are won by determination and perseverance. William Wilberforce, a member of British Parliament, he was a former slave who, who wrote the song Amazing Grace. Wilberforce was a tremendous Christian, and he saw early on the evils of slavery. And he went on this crusade in the British Parliament to outlaw slavery in the British Empire. And he begged, and he pleaded, and he introduced bills, and each time he was laughed at and shouted down and voted down. And on his deathbed, the British Parliament finally signed a bill outlawing slavery. And how long did it take? <laughs> Fifty years. See, long-suffering is not a passive resignation that doesn't try to solve a problem. Long-suffering is a positive response that dares us to trust God to help us solve problems. And I can't guarantee you that you will be a success. But I can guarantee you that if you are not long-suffering, you'll fail. I mean, you're never a failure until you quit. But when you quit, you're a failure. Have perseverance with those demanding problems. And finally, have a persistence with a definite purpose. See, why does God allow difficult people demanding problems into our lives? It's to develop maturity. In the first chapter of James, verse 3, it says this, knowing that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That word for complete means mature. God's goal for you is maturity. And patience may be a bitter plant, but always produces sweet fruit. For full-blown patience makes a full-grown Christian. Troubles and troublemakers are in your life to develop long-suffering. And we won't graduate to maturity until we go to the school of hard knocks. Learn the disciplines of long-suffering. Patience, perseverance, persistence. See, it is by patience we see God's work in us. It is by perseverance we learn God's will for us. But do you know why long-suffering is so difficult? It involves waiting. 
And I'm convinced one of the most difficult things we have to do in this life is wait. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. I mean, we live in a country that exists on frozen dinners and instant mashed potatoes and powdered orange juice and packaged cake mixes and digital cameras and freeway express lanes. And, and it's difficult, if not sometimes impossible, to learn to wait. I mean, just be honest. Wouldn't you rather do just about anything than wait? <laughs> if the truth were known, sometimes we'd rather do the wrong thing than wait. I mean, be honest. Wouldn't you rather do anything than wait? Jello. <laughs> I love jello. It's a delicious dessert, right? Or snack or just anything, really. And it was created, it celebrated its 100th anniversary back in 1997. And the story of its inventor is ironic. Because in 1897, Pearl Waite wore several hats. He was a construction worker. He dabbled in patent medicines and went door-to-door -door selling his remedies. And in the midst of his tinkering, he came upon this idea of mixing fruit flavoring with granulated gelatin. His wife called it Jello. And Waite thought he had one more product to peddle. But sadly, sales were not as strong as he hoped it would be. And so in 1899, he sold his Jello rights to order Woodward for $450. Now, Woodward knew the value of marketing. And within eight brief years, he turned that $450 investment into a million-dollar business. And sadly, today, not a single relative of Pearl Weight gets a penny from the 1.1 million boxes of Jello sold every day. And why? Because weight <laughs> couldn't wait. See, Scripture tells us this. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary and walk and not be faint. That's why James says in verse 7, be patient until the Lord's coming. See, the only reason the world is still here <laughs> is not because God is powerless or because God is passive. We are still here because God is patient. He is long-suffering. But know this. Jesus is coming back. Make no doubt about it. It's a promise. Scripture says it. I believe it. Jesus is coming back. So let me just close with this question. Are you ready? Are you ready for him to return? Is he your Lord and Savior? Have you given your life to him? And if not, don't wait. Don't be too patient. Come down after church and talk to me. And if you're one of us that have accepted him as your Savior and you're waiting for him to return, can I just give you this? Don't just sit there. Each and every one of us has a job to do. And it's the same job for everyone. We have to share the love of Jesus with everyone so that no one would perish, but all would come to repentance, that all would have that relationship with Jesus as their Savior. Don't wait.
Do it today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for being patient with us. Your desire for all of us is to surrender our lives to you. And your desire for us as this church is to share your gospel so that everyone has the opportunity to repent, to accept you as their Savior. So Lord, be with us as we leave. Give us your words to speak and your courage to speak the truth. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.